It is midday live. Lawrence Vaughn, Dr. Drew, 800-222-5222 is a phone number. We're going to switch gears for a few minutes and talk about bail and anti-bail reform. This is Jeff Clayton, Executive Director of the American Bail Coalition. Jeff, welcome. Thanks, Dr. Drew, for having me on. So we put through uh, an initiative that allowed for... I, again, it got confusing to me what it was that law. We got was rid all of about. our cash bail system, we, we, yeah, right? We, got, we gave it. We left it up to judges to decide who should stay incarcerated and who would be okay to let out on bail. And and now your movement has got nearly six hundred thousand signatures to overturn that legislation. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, when Senate Bill 10 was passed, it passed within 72 hours. It completely remade California's bail system into a system of get locked up or get out of jail for free and get supervised by the state. And the main problem we had with it was that it uses a computer algorithm to essentially tell judges uh, who gets bail and who don't uh, get, uh, get bail. And so uh, you had uh, 50 civil rights groups come out against the legislation at the 11th hour, uh, which is when we finally joined the party. Obviously, it would mean the end to the um, you know the bail bond industry as well, which is one of the reasons, not the only reason, why we decided to get the signatures together and, and to try to stop it. I, I just found it very confusing. Go ahead, Lauren, your question. Well, the argument was that this was an unfair system because um, people in you know with less economic wealth were always trapped in yeah. jail. They could never make bail. That this favored the rich, and if you had enough money, you could always make bail, and if you didn't, you were stuck in jail. And so many feel that this. This is a um, a more fair system, but it does leave a lot up to a judge to make that determination. Yeah, and we've seen abuses. I mean, when you give the government the power uh, to lock people up, it is hard to quench that thirst. And we've seen in uh, Maryland and New Jersey and certainly in the federal system uh, that the impact is probably going to be more people locked up. Uh, you know, without bail. And then on the other side, there'll be less accountability because everybody else gets out for free. So besides, obviously, driving the bail bonds business uh, out with this, um, your fear is what, that more people would end up locked up just because a judge wouldn't want to take a chance? Yeah, two things are going to happen. Well, if it if it's deemed constitutional, which is questionable, but uh, you're going to have a huge class of people that are locked up without bail. And then on the other hand, everybody else who gets out is going to be supervised by the state. And that's what we've seen in New Jersey. The way the legislation is set up is every uh, county, all 58 within California, will create basically pre-conviction probation uh, and supervise everybody at state expenses. So judges are going to saddle people with house arrest, ankle monitors, drug screening, and all that sort of thing because they don't have bail and their only other choice is jail. Isn't that better, though, than someone who can't afford to pay bail? Well, I, I'm sure they would probably prefer that than sitting in, in jail. jail. Well, yeah, but that's not the reality because most people don't self-bail. And so whether the offender has resources or not is generally not the question. Certainly there are those cases. Uh, but in California, that population doesn't exist. The low-level first-timers, all that sort of thing, all those people are already out of jail. And the people in jail in California are fairly serious offenders. So, you know, that argument's been made by Alexis de Tocqueville since 1835, uh, but it's as old as time. And I think the bail affordability argument uh, really uh, doesn't capture what's really going on in the system. And to be fair, and we hadn't thought about that, the Prop 47, Prop uh, was 57, 50, yeah, they, both of those had had essentially everyone uh, getting a misdemeanor or not being uh, in any way punished for their crimes, right? And so already, you, I guess we have a point here, which is the people that are going to be put in jail and held up for bail probably belong there. Are going to have really serious crimes. I guess the question then remains, are they going to be kept in jail anyway under this system? 
Well, under the current system, you know, most people will bail out, but it's hard to say how the mix change. But I can tell you the way we've seen the mix change is when you open up and crack the preventative detention door and give the government the power to do it, they will do it at greater rates. Uh, than they did before. What What about the argument that's made um, for people that have pushed this um, through and a ballot measure that they say, listen, uh, monetary bail has never been able to secure someone shows up for trial anyway. What do you make of that argument? Well, usually the argument is it doesn't protect public safety, but that it does work to guarantee appearance. And the data does show uh, that uh, financial um, security for appearance works. Uh, but the original intention of bail going back 400 years on this continent was never to protect public safety. It was to ensure that somebody shows up for trial and that the criminal process can can wear itself out. And the data that I've seen has shown me anything that the new system is going to be any safer than the current system. We're going to take a little break. We're talking to Jeff Clayton, Executive Director of the American Bail Coalition. I know Alexis de Tocqueville came here to study our penitentiary system, but he ended up studying the entire democracy. <laughs> did he make comment on the bail system? He did. He said that uh, he thought that the Americans had broken from the English tradition and gotten rid of the aristocratic bail system, but it turns out they hadn't, and criticized uh, you know, the United States in 1835 for, for, for keeping England's bail system. Interesting. We're going to take a little break. Jeff Clayton stays with us. We'll take your calls at 800-222-5222. We're talking about the SB10, I think it is, and now 600,000 signatures to potentially overturn what has been called a flawed bail legislation. Again, our number is 800-222-5222. Lawrence Vaughn, Dr. Drew, this is Midday Live. It is Midday Live. Lawrence Vaughn, Dr. Drew, that number is 800-222-5222. We're speaking with Jeff Clayton. Executive Director of the American Bail Coalition. And Jeff, is there a website you'd like to refer people to? Yeah, it's AmericanBailCoalition.org. And you say now you have 600,000 votes, so this will go on the ballot next November? Uh, it'll be November year after? of 2020. Yeah. And in the meantime, November. the SB10 is on hold? Yeah, as soon as the Secretary of State certifies the uh, signatures, then it will put the law on hold for two years. Uh. It, and I, has any other state done anything like this? You mentioned something about New Jersey. Do they have a no-bail system? Yeah, New Jersey has gone that direction, uh, largely eliminating bail. I think there were 47 bails written this uh, year. Uh, and the results have been less than spectacular. It's cost the state a ton of money, uh, and it hasn't really produced the type of results they were hoping for. Obviously, the federal system went this way a generation ago, and the Federal Bail Reform Act of 1984, and the results uh, have been nothing short of horrendous, uh, tripling the amount of incarceration. And when you say the results aren't what are intended, what did New Jersey intend? Well, New Jersey intended to reduce jail population substantially, uh, to supervise people and reduce new crimes while on bail, uh, and to save a lot of money to then reinvest uh, into other programs. But what we're finding out is that they're short uh, money this year, and the entire program, out, uh, a huge injection of funding is going to collapse uh, at some point next year. And you mentioned that the, the alternative to keeping people in a jail or prison is that they'd be ankle monitored and urine test, house arrest. That sounds less expensive to me than prison. Is that not right? It is less expensive than prison, but it's a lot more expensive than bail uh, because bail is largely, like I said, a third-party provided benefit to somebody. I bail out my son. I bail out my daughter, et cetera. Uh, when the government is supervising uh, all of these people, and in California, it's uh, free of charge to the state, um, you can imagine that judges are going to saddle uh, people with a lot of this technology. And, and once again, has the just I'm trying to zero in on the fact that we have uh, decriminalized so many crimes in this state. 
is did that already have an effect on the bail system? We think so. It's had a huge effect in terms of these low-level property crimes. I mean, I was talking to a senator about a case where the guy had committed 35 additional property crimes before, uh, you know, committing the first one. He interrupted me and said, Jeff, you don't didn't hear about the guy with the 58 uh, crimes. And so what we've done is taken a lot of felonies that were serious, downgraded them. And obviously, none of those people are hardly having to post bail uh, right now when uh, under the old system prior to 4757, they would have. Interesting. All right, Jeff. Well, thank you for helping us kind of wade through this. And uh, you, you have changed things. And for the next two years, we'll be on hold until uh, we see what the voters do with it in 2020. My pleasure. Have a good afternoon. Thanks you so betcha. much for explaining.